0: So here's another one of them times where I'm just doing something impromptu. If you've already listened to my intro to health assessment, I am going to try to break down a little bit the head to toe assessment, um, more so with your adult patient. So we're just gonna, we're gonna get right into it. So we talked a little bit about the major role as a student nurse, or even as a nurse. The things that you guys are learning in your journey is about getting information, whether it be subjective or objective, from your patient. And then learning how to use those tools that you have within your course um, that you are supplied with to get that information. And so we're going to break it down a little bit, maybe in a way that might help you understand it a little bit better. So we talked about there being different types of ways that you can gain assessment information. um, And you can get a focused history from your patient but you also want to get like medical history from your patient that's subjective data because that's information that you're getting from them so you're going to be asking them things like and i'll and i'll say them what they are and then i'll and i'll kind of come back with a statement that we i commonly use we'll put it that way um to get information um so one of them is allergies so i'm going to ask them do you have any allergies for illness do you have any current illness or have you ever been hospitalized or um, had to go to the doctor for an illness are you currently on any medications or just got finished taking any medications what is your family history like have you, do you have anyone um, in your immediate family or in your lines that um, have you've heard that have had illnesses during your childhood did you have any illnesses then and did you have all your immunizations I will ask them about their recent screenings when's the last time they've had their screenings based on their age um so if they should have had a mammogram or prostate screening or things like that i'm going to be taking that into consideration and as you create your plan of care those are the things that you're adding into that information so you would know to do it um and then with every assessment, you're asking them how they're doing. This is where you as the nurse identify if they have a mental illness um, and then also if there's a physical illness for the reason why you're seeing them. I cannot stress it, it enough that the identification of individuals with physical and mental illness start with you. You do not have to go into the specialty of mental health nursing in order to do the job that was originally assigned to you as a student nurse. So if you have a patient that comes in through the ED, come in through med surge, come in through cardiac, um, your cardiac step down, come into ICU, if they come into the doctor's office, if they're a student in a school, my job is to determine how their mental health and well-being is. I'm going to offer them help, promotion and if I think there's a deviation in their mental or physical health that requires a consult, that's my job to do it. So making sure that you understand that information. Then as you go on, you, you, you after collecting that data that you get from your patient, there's other data that you can get from them. So you do a systematic check of those systems that they have. You do a general survey asking them. Um, uh, the brief questions that you can ask. And then I'm going to be asking them about nutrition. What's their diet like? I'm going to be, and I want to say this, even though I'm going through some of these systematically, I want you to understand that some of these things you can already be assessing um, your patient on when they're in the room. So multitasking. So you start by asking them about their diet and how they eat and and then looking at their skin hair and nails when you see them you can tell whether or not you need to do a more focal assessment of them looking at their head and neck looking at their eyes and their ears their nose their mouth then you're gonna go to their thorax you're gonna go to their lungs you're gonna go to the heart you're gonna be checking their peripheral vascular system then you um, may also um, and I will say this more often you're more um, When you hear them start to express more concerns, that's when I start looking into um, Why they're here if they're having issue with their breasts their abdominal or GI or abdominal and GU um, systems looking at musculoskeletal neurological genitalia endocrine mental health and then getting a summary just from the patient what they have concerns about. Majority of the time when they come to you, they've noticed something, have a concern or complaint that they may have let go or that someone brought to their attention that brings them to us. When we review the systems, we're looking at, again, their psychosocial history. We're also looking at their functional health status, like how are they functioning? And that goes into a lot of their or how they're not being able to function affects their activities of daily living. Once we collect all that information, we have to use the skills and the knowledge that we have to teach them and to engage in health promotion. It's through that health history that we can actually determine or get an idea if there are, a potential if there's a potential for them to be at risk or if there's actually a risk we can do things like screenings provide health promotion um, and engage them in activities then looking at any common symptoms that they might have that leads us to thinking there's an issue now how do we do all this we've we've gotten our subjective information All that information that we just talked about, we get that information by asking questions and the patient tells us what they know. Now, once they give us ideas, tell us what's going on, kind of gives us clues as to what's going on, we have certain instruments that we can use to now confirm their subjective data use our objective skills to learn things now is our turn to use our eyes our hands and everything else to help our patients out so what we can do is start with our equipment you have your cotton swabs your drapes your gowns Um, you have your examining gloves you can use your nasal speculums You can also use your ophthalmoscope, your otoscope, your reflex hammer, your blood pressure cuff, your pulse oximeter, your flashlight, your pin light. You can use your scale for your your height measures. You can have your stethoscope, your thermometers, your tongue blade. You have your watch. You need a watch. Because those second hands, I don't care what anybody tells you, Apple watches, sometimes they can stay on, it's great. Your smart watches, but for the most part, it is really good to have something that you can attach to your badge um, that can always give you your seconds. And then um, um, optional is your vision chart. You may have to use that if there's an issue, Um, but that, that really is optional. Of the equipment. If you have to go further, and depending on what specialty, would what, what, not what specialty? Um, if you in the office, then it's a specialty. But it depends on the patient's diagnosis. You may have to have a vaginal speculum, lubricant. You may have to do culture media. Um, you glass slides. I really don't see that as much. We usually have a um. We have a culture swab set kit that we use, and then we that goes into a medium, and then we send that down to have tested. Um, but depending on where you are, you may have that potassium hydroxide, a hemocult testing card, and solutions. Um, and then you may have to have your um, spear smears. Um, spatula and I know I'm saying it off the top of my head and I may not be pronouncing it right Um, but for the most part when you're doing a pap smear you need you need your spatula for that now biggest thing you figured out what's going on with your patient so say for instance my patient just has respiratory issues so I've already They've already come into the hospital. They've had an initial assessment done. Now I'm going to come in I'm going to do my focal assessment. My focal assessment is based on a respiratory issue. So I'm going to go with my stethoscope and I'm going to use my stethoscope to listen to their lung sounds. So you kind of need to know, what would I use cotton swabs for? What would I need a drape for? What would I need examining gloves for? That's practicing hand hygiene, um, but also to determining whether or not it's an aseptic Um, Need or if it's just a precaution um, Need using your scopes to be able to look in eyes and ears and nose using your reflex hammer to um, Test their muscles their strength their reflexes You need a blood pressure cuff to monitor their vital signs You need your pulse oximeter to monitor their O2 sets You need a flashlight so that you can see the reaction of their eyes. What is Perla and do you know what that is? pupils are um, equal and responding to light and accommodating um your stethoscope we talked about that your thermometer why do you need that your tongue blade Then, then once you make that preparation and you figure out why you need these things specific to what you're going to get ready to do that's when you come in and you have that conversation with your patient that's where your therapeutic communication comes in where you explain the process and what you're going to be doing to the patient, ask their permission to conduct the assessment that you're going to need. If you need a third person to come in and assist you, you're going to be letting them know why you need that third person. A lot of the times, it should you want to like ask the patient based on, especially their cultural status, do they need, would they prefer someone of the same gender? Before you begin their assessment, you might want to ask them whether or not they need to urinate making sure that you use proper hand hygiene do you know what proper hand hygiene is and expect that you're going to have to go through that process and demonstrate that process and then ensure comfort levels um, for the patient but also making sure that the environment and the room temperature is going to be important now one of the things that i said in the previous uh, recording is that you as a student nurse Um, come into the program with the idea um, and our goal is that you learning what the normal things are so that you know what the deviation is from from that normal and so then after you figure out what the deviation is from that normal then you can start to respond and so one of the things that I want to talk to you about is understanding those priority um, things that you're going to do those urgent moments in which you have to stop and utilize all those tools that you have some of these urgent things can be if they're cyanotic cyanosis or have pallor that means they're blue they're not having or they don't have good perfusion it could be dusty looking and that just tells you like there's not a good blood circulation happening, something's going on. They can have respiratory difficulties. These are a lot associated with your airway, breathing, and circulation things that tells you this is a safety issue for the patient, can cause their death or dying. If they have a strained posture, if they have anxiety written across their face, um, and if they look like they're in distress, if their blood pressure or their vital signs and their pulses are unstable, those are priority issues issues if you all of a sudden have an acute change in their mental status that's concerning seizures a new onset of chest pain says so that might be issues with their heart and so at that particular point you are their assistance for them you need to identify for them that they need to seek assistance as indicated you may need additional assistance um, um, because these are priority urgent things that we're going to be looking for so what do we do when we realize that either there's a there's either a priority need, something urgent coming up that requires that I go back and reassess my patient um, and use interventions and measuring their outcomes, things that I'm going to be doing for them to help them improve? So that goes back to your assessment. So you you do an assessment to determine what's normal. When you see a deviation from that normal, that becomes what your focus is gonna be on. And so you may be required to do regular assessments throughout that eight to 12 hour shift or regular assessments until you've done enough implementation of interventions to get the outcome that you're looking for, to either get them back to their baseline that they had before they came in or to get them to improve altogether. And so some of them things that we do is we again check their vital signs. We do a survey of them. We're checking their skin, their head, their mouths, their eyes, their ears, their nose. We're checking their necks. And then we're going on to that second portion. If we If we realize that there's a certain area that might be focused to their pain, we might have to do a more detailed neurological check, checking their upper extremities, looking at their muscles, looking at their chest, their or their thorax, looking at the breast, the abdomen, lower extremities, and even turning them over to look at their backs, looking at their um, um looking for signs that um, contribute to what we've realized is a deviation. Other things that we can do is part of that physical assessment is checking how they walk is their balance does this create a fall risk this is a deviation falls can lead to injuries injuries can lead to death and so these things become our priorities and become safety issues skin breakdown is a priority because they can get an infection that can lead to their death but it's also a safety issues something that we can prevent from happening, try to prevent or do prophylactic things to prevent skin breakdown. Do they have wounds, drains, and devices? That's our next assessment, things that they come in with. And what can happen when anybody has an opening within their body To um, because of a wound or because of other drains and devices? Automatically, you're thinking bacteria, germs, can get in through those openings and cause infections when we're looking at the genitalia we're thinking from this day and time what they were born with what genitalia did they have at birth and that's what you're looking at if, if they had male and or female parts at that time, that's what you're going to be examining. You're going to be re- examining their rectum sometimes, um, especially if they have issues with defecating um, or if they have complaints um, in that area. Musculoskeletal and neurological, when it comes to their ability to stand and then um, looking at closure. Ultimately, We take the subjective data, information that we receive from the patient that we collect, so that assessment that we do on their admission to whatever clinical setting they're in. And then we take that information and we do a head to toe assessment. And that's our portion to either confirm their suspicions or to confirm our own suspicions and to validate and verify what needs our attention. Um, where we need to focus that attention on. And then once we do that, we can do a more thorough assessment of that that pinpointed area that we came to. Now, for you as a student, understand this. You're doing a head-to-toe assessment every time you go in. Everything. Get that underway. Because if you don't put that into your psychomotor, which is using your muscle memory to remind you how to do those things when it is emergent, when it is a priority, you'll forget how to do them. So every time you go in, start from the head, work down to the toes, ask those, those questions, know what you're checking for. And at some particular point, I may do another um, podcast that talks a little bit about that in detail. However, at the end, when you're linking this back to the clinical judgment that I talk a lot about in, in my podcast, you have to hypothesize what you think is going on, and then you have to use that data after analyzing it, hypothesizing it, is to come up with options that you think might be the problem, and then you have to start making decisions. What am I gonna do for this patient? Using your um, critical thinking to be able to say, this is what's important, this is what's relevant, this is what's not relevant. So make a list. What's irrelevant? What's relevant? Take the relevant, hypothesize what you think might be going on, and make clinical decisions. You do this by analyzing the information that you've you've collected, but also analyzing it and comparing with the information that you've you've collected both subjectively and objectively to analyze what their labs are saying. If they had a chest x-ray done, prioritize those hypotheses, and then you're gonna take action. What am i going to do once you take action you have to analyze what not the action that you took did what it was supposed to and document that in a as a progress note maybe what you did and everything that is in your power to do in the scope of your practice as a nurse you've done and now you need further assistance that's where you now have to go into interprofessional collaboration not only with individuals doctors care teams but you may also thinking about their discharge because that happens on day one when they're admitted you may have to work with a social worker to help them be able to get that support that they need when they leave you and then having a plan of care and then evaluating the outcomes of everything it is that you did if it's not the outcome that you wanted or maybe it went beyond the outcome that you wanted what self what corrections are you going will you have to make? Um, What supportive um, systems will your patient need? Now, one of the advice that I received from someone when it comes to my podcast was how can we help students to be better at, um, to be better at collecting information or being able to be better at collecting information, using the information from questions to be able to answer, answer these in class. So I'm gonna try to give you an example. Um, Let me see. I'm trying to do one off the top of my head over what we went over. Um, So you have a 37-year-old patient that was just admitted into the ER. Um, The nurse is getting ready to take care of the patient. What is included in the past health history portion of the subjective data assessment that the nurse will do? Is it a, obtain past health history of wellness classes? Is it obtain information on recent health care visits? Is it evaluate mental health and psychiatric history? Or is it to um, what we'll say uh, obtain early identification of problems? Well I know subjective data is information that I get from the patient and I'm so, which one of these is more about subjective data? Obtain past health history of wellness classes. Um, I just don't think what is included in the past health history portion. Yeah, I don't think that's it. Obtain information on recent healthcare visits. No, but evaluate mental health and psychiatric history. Yeah, I think that is that that might be my answer, and I think that. Um, it would be. If I'm looking at past health history, I'm assessing for their allergies. I'm assessing for their past history of illness. I'm assessing their family history. I'm assessing childhood illness and immunizations. I'm going to look at any recent screening assessments that they had. I'm going to evaluate their mental health and psychiatric history. Now, um, moving on, we talked uh, a lot about nursing assessment. What do you think as a nurse? Is nursing is the nursing assessment, are nursing assessments standard and are never adapted? Do you think we don't do that? I think that information is false. When you think about nursing assessment, I want you as students to understand, or as nurses to understand, that the nursing assessment adapts depending on what your scope of practice is as a nurse, the clinical setting that you're in, and also your patient situation. So I'm going to say this, assessments of your patient is patient-specific. So it's not going to always look the same. And so with that, that brings us to the conclusion of this podcast. I hope that you guys really did enjoy that. And as I mentioned before, if you can subscribe, that will let me know that you want to continue hearing what we have to um what I have to share, that you're really enjoying it, give me feedback. Um, I feel like one day I'm just going to come out and surprise everybody with some free tutoring Um, just to get you guys to just subscribe to me. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining Nurses, Nursing Made Easy, and until the next podcast, stay safe, stay well, and enjoy your journey as a nurse, student nurse.